Pacho. I shall miss you. No! Very neat, Doctor. You know, I must say, I never thought that you'd go through If we're going, let's go. Welcome to Two Guys, a Girl, in the podcast. We're talking classic Doctor Who, so it's just two guys today. I am Ken. Jeff. And we're going to be talking about The Claws of Axos, which is a Doctor Who classic episode with John Pertwee. Uh, but before we get into that, um, what news or anything going on? I will say this. Um, this is good news for people who are Orville fans. Orville is coming to Disney+. Plus. I is don't... It- no, how? Yeah, how? Well, it's on Hulu right now. Oh, uh, wait. They own that. Disney owns Hulu? Yeah, because if you get the Disney Plus bundle, you get ESPN and Hulu. It's part of the uh, ABC or whatever Disney family thing. Yeah. Well, I never got the bundle because I got the, the special thing where Disney was uh, $3 a month. But... um. Orville used to be on regular TV, and then they put it onto Hulu. So the last season, which is the third season that came out, I didn't get a chance to watch, or it's, I don't know if it's still happening or not. So I was kind of bummed that I didn't want to pay for Hulu. So, um, But now, it, apparently, soon, like in the next month or so, three seasons are going to be on Disney+. Plus. Speaking of Disney+, Plus, there's a rumor going around that the new season of Doctor Who, the 60th and onward, is yeah. going to stream on Disney+. Plus. Like, it'll air on the BBC first, and like, right after it airs in the BBC, it'll, the same day, it'll be on Disney+, Plus. like maybe an hour after, or half hour after, like, or right away after. Yeah. yeah. Which would be great. I think it'd be great, because it'd be easier for us to watch it. Yeah. And have them watch it on BBC America with a gazillion commercials. Well, and it's going to get a lot more views because Disney Plus is more popular and um, it's a better fit for them. Um, I really hope that rumor ends up being true because that would that'd be huge. That'd be pretty big. I mean, people who don't like Disney would probably be a little upset because Disney seems to own almost everything right now. <laughs> um, That's true. And so it's like, geez, you know, but, and, and, you know, I, I, there is a Disney influence. I get nervous when Disney takes, like when Disney took over Marvel, does that mean that they're going to be Disneyized? Are they going to be really toned down and everything? And Disney's been moving in the opposite direction. Their stuff is a little more, I mean, obviously they just put the uh, Netflix shows, the Daredevil and all them on Disney plus with a, a tier for, so they can keep the younger kids away from it. But so now you have the option of potentially putting all those like Logan and um, Deadpool on Disney Plus, but it just is in a different category. And so, is Disney going to influence Doctor Who? At this point, maybe that's a good thing <laughs> because yes. Doctor Who needs some sort of influence besides what it has right now. Exactly. Yeah. That's big news. I don't know why yes, we, it is. we should have remembered that from the last one. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to do everything. In the yeah, yeah. So, 
But I'm looking forward to Orville. Orville, I've been saying up until recently, I've been saying Orville is the best Star Trek series out there because it is basically Star Trek. It is very com comedic, but also has some amazing good stories. It's a little politically correct and also has some stupid stuff in it that's typical of um, Seth MacFarlane. But it has amazing episodes, and um, I don't know if that's the case anymore because I think Star Trek: Strange New Worlds is is probably even better than Orville, believe it or not. Um, but I have to see the third season. So yeah, so a little bit of Doctor Who news there with Orville and Disney Plus taking over everything. <sighs> I've been watching. Uh, I finished watching the whole whole of Fringe, which was five seasons or like four and a half seasons with my wife. We had seen it originally when it came out. and uh, It's amazing how much you forget about the final seasons of some of those shows. It's like, oh yeah, they really changed it quite a bit toward the end. But it was really good. It was a well-produced series. Um, and it's not that old. It's, you know, came out you know, not that long ago, but it was good to re revisit that. Thanks to streaming and HBO Max for that one. Yep. Um, anything else, or should we go on? I've been, I've just been reading uh, James Bond, the new James Bond book, With a Mind to Kill. Halfway through it, they want, they fake the death of M, and he has to go and infiltrate the KGB or not KGB uh, Spectra because they originally they, they brainwashed him James Bond and he broke free of it then they did this plot this is you fake the death of M and then we'll make up this headline and then they'll come and get you and bring you back and then you can destroy him from inside so I'm halfway through and it's it's not bad it's kind of slow but it's actually Spy thriller slow where you have to like things have to be set up, but it's actually not bad. Yeah. It's it's the third in the the series by Anthony Horowitz. Mm -hmm. So this ends his little three three book run. Which all takes place during the sixties. Hmm. Okay. Alrighty. Claws of Axos. Yeah, so uh, Access Calling Earth. <laughs> yeah. The original, the voice is so annoying in this, the, the accent voice, but... Um, it's Bernard Holly, right? He was the, the head uh, guy. Yeah, because he, he also came back in the Feast of Access for Big Finish in 2011. The main, oh, okay. He was also in the Tomb of the Cybermen. Um, written by Bob Baker and Dave Martin, who that's I think this is their first story together, and I believe they, so. Yes, they would they would go on to invent K nine, which they wrote a lot of stuff, especially yeah. uh, Tom Baker era. Yeah, um, it's interesting. They show the inside the alien ship from their perspective, um, which is unusual. Usually, the aliens are sort of kept kind of like a secret for a while. I thought the the ship design was pretty good. The alien designs, there's a couple of them that they're pretty good. Creepy. Um, 
I even thought the, the ones in the bodysuit with the gold faces kind of were creepy too. Yeah. And it, bef before they get to their natural form of the red blobby thing. There's a scene where they're, he's on the screen and you see his face and he's turning a little bit. Yeah. That's a really neat effect. What they did was they, and I don't, I didn't read this, but I'm guessing this is what they did. They took two cameras, one at like a 90 degree angle from the other. And then the guy would turn from one camera to the other and they would, they would um, fade to that camera live. So he would be looking at the camera, then he would start turning, and they would at the same time they're fading to that other camera. So it looks like he's still looking forward, but it is, and it's very the fades when you watch it. It's like it almost looks like a, almost like a a holographic type of thing. It was, it was a neat little effect. Um, it obviously you know wasn't hologram, but it, it kind of gave it that holographic sort of look that it looked like everywhere you moved, the, the eyes were looking at you. I thought it was really well. The neat little effect, um, which is, I like that in Doctor Who, how that sometimes they come out with some neat little effects. Yeah. Um, the Master is in this one, too. Yeah. We find out that he's captured by the Axons. Yeah, and in cooperation to get his TARDIS back, he has to give them Earth. And um, there's a character called Bill Filer who, if you didn't know better, you would you would almost say, "Did we see this guy before?" Because he seems like he's there and he knows the Master. Kind of, he's been after the yeah. Master, and there's almost like, are there? Is there another? Is this a spin-off idea that they had where Bill Filer in America was going to be fighting the Master or something? It seemed like they were building up this character and it almost like was like everyone should know who he is already, you know, and that And that's just, it. We never see him again. Yeah, he's just kind of there and that's it. Um, my favorite character um I only guess. <laughs> it's Pigpen Josh. Yeah, I didn't know he had a name, but I Pigpen Josh is the uh, mumbling uh. bum at the beginning of the you know. Uh. Yeah, and he um, uh. fortunately gets killed early on. But I, my brother and I were always hoping they would come out with an action figure of him, um, because he with or without the bike, with the bike and riding the bike and hey, Pigpen Josh can ride a bike. How come that guy in the the Jody Whitaker era can't. Well, but, Big Ben Josh didn't ride the bike good because he drove it into the, the water. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I, look, I am not, I'm trying not to make fun of anyone here. I'm making fun of Pig Pen Josh. But we have a guy who rides around and he collects trash around the area. And we go out and we give him bags of our cans instead of going back to the store and getting our refund. We give him the cans because I want to give him a little extra money or whatever. But he does sometimes look – he talks a little bit. He doesn't – I go, hey, how's it going? And, uh, so he does kind of remind me a little bit of Pigpen Josh because he has the bike and he's riding it with all these bags and stuff like that. But, um, but anyways <laughs> – Mm. <laughs> what? Is that what he is that what he says? He, he, what? Yeah, I think it's what, but it's like what? Ah. What? 
And um, he's dead. He dissolves. Yeah. He's gone. Poor Pigpen Josh. <laughs> I like how they did some locations. By the way, when Doctor Who does location shooting, it looks fantastic. When they do sets, it not as much. The Axon ship and the power plant weren't bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and but I, I just love the look of film. And when, when Doctor, when they're out, out, there's a lot of outside stuff with this, and it just looks fantastic. So. Lot, there's some good fight scenes later on with unit outside and everything, but um, I like how they they filmed the stuff that they needed to film. And at one point, uh, Pigpen Josh is is going along and it's perfectly clear outside. And the next scene, there's it's in snow, an inch of snow, and they went ahead and they they made the whole thing that the ship or whatever was causing that um, weather anomaly. So that was kind of a neat little thing that they were able to fix by adding it last minute because they filmed the stuff first on location and said, well, wait a minute, this, it looks so completely different. How do we explain that? And they came up with an answer. So, um, kind of they little, filmed this in January. Yeah. Um, so... Oh, oh. One of the worst characters ever, or most manipulative, was Jin, who seemed to be so greedy for the uh, Axonite. Yeah. Um, at first, he's like, he's a bad guy because he's already yeah. like investigating the doctor, and he's like, rah, 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 and he's the typical put unit um, under arrest. Yeah, he's always doing that, and and at no point was he ever redeemable. He just was bad for the point of being bad. Once the accents come down, he goes, "Oh, excellent!" And I thought it was one of the criticisms of the John Pertwee era. I'll kind of throw out there was a lot of times the these stories would be better if they were took place over months because. An alien ship doesn't come down, and then the aliens say, "Here, everyone, here, here, have some axonite." And then all of a sudden, there's plants all over the world building, getting ready for axonite. That seemed like it could take months, not a couple of days. And I thought that was a stretch in the story that everyone would be using axonite that quickly. It kind of happened with a little bit to a degree with Terra the Autons where they passed out that those flowers. But that was, they showed how the process, how they did it. And it wasn't, I don't think it was worldwide. No, but I think the Master had already been embedded for a while, for Terra, at least for Terra yeah. the Autons. So this was kind of a, that's one of the weaknesses of this story is I thought, I, I couldn't buy into the fact that Earth would just all of a sudden want to, the accents come down and, wait a minute, every single alien that's come down has been evil or bad. There's been no good aliens, and you're going to be okay with working with these guys. And then, of course, they end up being not so good. And, um, and I think the doctor inadvertently sort of triggers something to get you know he yeah has he thing. he puts it in that thing. Oh, there's that that's yeah that scientist dude just went like. I actually didn't feel bad that that guy got killed because the guy was a jerk. He yeah. was like. Oh, you're the doctor, huh? Oh, boo, 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 boo. It was the guy who was, uh... <laughs> well, it wasn't even 
he like kind of right because he was like, "Don't touch Windsor my stuff." Or, yeah, or something like that. He's yeah. like, "Don't touch my stuff," and the doctor touches the stuff. And he's like, "You stupid like, idiot!" He goes and touches it and gets <laughs> just disintegrated. But the doctor's—it was kind of the doctor's fault a little bit. Yeah, it was, but he does make mistakes. At least the third doctor does. And the fourth doctor <laughs> in our next episode, but. Oh yeah. <laughs> Speaking of our uh, next one, it was funny. Um, and this was just by chance because I didn't even figure out. Tim yeah. Piggott Smith, who played Captain Harker, uh-huh. plays is in Mask. Uh, the next one we're going to review Mask yeah. as uh, what's his name? Marco, the Mask yep. of Mandragora, which is like I'm like because I watched the Mask first, and I watched this one. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just saw I, you. I didn't recognize him, but I, I, I saw the writing on it, and I said, oh, that's kind of neat. You know, we've done that before where we've had a, a couple of... Um, and the guy who played Chin was in Power of the Daleks. Uh, Norman Jones. Um, I don't know who he played in... in oh, no, that's sorry. <laughs> I'm looking at Mask of Mandragora. Stop it. <laughs> Wrong um, notes. John this, Hicks, who played this, the X-Men boy, also played one of the Corks in the Dominators. Okay. I don't think I wrote any of this down. I usually go in and get the behind-the-scenes stuff, but I don't know where I put that stuff. I'm trying to figure out Bernard Hawley, who he played in Tomb of the Cybermen. Mm. She just looked that up. What did not say? Um, oh, Peter Hayden. Is that the... Oh, the... the guy who did the uh, the flying the ship, right? I don't know. I don't remember. It's been a while. Yeah. Gotta watch that episode sometime. Yes, we do. Um, the, the episode itself turns into sort of like the doctor all of a sudden wants to get off, off the of planet Earth. and, and he yeah. pretends to work with the master or whatever. And um, Joe's kind of really in the first episode, she's kind of disappears a little bit but she gets she gets a little bit better they don't like joe and the doctor aren't even talking which i think is they have really good chemistry together but the first episode i don't, I don't think they say any words to each other and it's like that's kind of weird but later well, on she she also sneaks in and she freaks out because she gets bombarded with the thing and yeah. nobody believes her and then the doctor later on says oh i wanted to say that and then once say that in front of them but she like so he kind of made her made Joe's out to be kind of kind of stupid at sometimes too but well Joe also does a lot of screaming in this episode and her you know um, which is unusual because she doesn't usually do that yeah she screams once or twice but this was quite a bit you know the the axonite blob shows up and she goes ah and then it's chasing them around and she goes every time they turn around there's another one and she goes ah ah and her scream is not that you know, Katie Manning's amazing, but I don't think not for screaming. Are, yeah, yeah, and um, that was a little bit of a that wasn't as good, but you know, I'm sure she didn't want to scream, and none of the I don't think any of the actresses feel like they should scream, but um, I mean, if I was a companion, I would probably scream at some of this stuff, but. Oh look, there's birds that are there, and we and we're full of plastic. But. <laughs> um, uh, oh look there's a guy with a bunch of teeth on the outside of his body ooh, ooh. I don't think I really scream I just like roll my eyes and go seriously there's guys oh. trying to get into our thing and, and we're on uh, what's the orphan 55 um, uh, uh, but anyways uh, 
Well, this episode proves that Delgado is definitely like the best master ever. I mean, just yeah. watching him and the way he, you know, telling off the uh, power station guy. He says, do you want to live or do you want to get blown up? Do what I say, blah, blah, blah. And how he manipulates the brigadier and says, you got to let me free or we're all going to die. And he says, one guy or 50 millions of people. And the brigadier had no choice but to let him go. Yeah. I mean, I'm not bashing the other actors because there's been some really good actors that have played the master, but but their direction stinks. Yeah, and it's it's gotten worse. It progressively gets worse. Um, I have to say, John Sim was able to re- they redeemed his master though. Yeah. Let's see here. Um. They go into the the master goes into the doctor's TARDIS, and I believe I read somewhere that this is the first time that they were back in the TARDIS room, console room, since, since the Hartnell, or or uh, no, the war Trout, games. Trout, yeah, Trout, yeah, yeah. Um, which is true because yeah. we've seen the TARDIS console, but it was been outside of it, right? He's, and you just see the doctor go into the TARDIS and he comes back out, but you haven't seen the actual set. Yeah, so that was kind of neat. Um, good action scene toward the end when the soldiers and the axes are fighting with the blowing up the axon that's on the jeep, but they jump out of the jeep and, and stuff Always, like that. I, that was a good action scene, especially when they're driving away and then they have to go in reverse and they're more or less caught. Yeah. I always laugh because the axons in their natural form in the Tom Baker era, they spray paint it green to be the crinoid. Yeah. So, so it's like, well, at least they got mileage out of that suit. But I think that one of the highlights is definitely the interior of the Axon ship. They did a yes. really good job with all the. They had some film projectors up on the screen or whatever, and the everything about them. The costumes were, you know, obviously a, a, like a leotard painted with. But you know, I thought it still they, they was looked, effective though. Yeah, they, it they still were, was effective. I mean, they look a, they look a little. They don't look as evil as other aliens, and that was on purpose. They look kind of like, oh, they look like golden, you know, kind they're of They're cool. humanoid form. They're almost like us, blah, 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 you know. Yeah. But once they transform into the blob, it's like, well, they got to be bad guys, because now they're like uh, tentacled blobs or whatever. But uh, I thought this was an okay episode. I will say that this is probably – I have a series of – besides – I'm not going to count Chibnall's. There's a few episodes of Doctor Who that I've only seen a couple of times. And some of that is, is because their releases have been relatively recent, like the animated episodes. And like I've only seen Enemy of the World probably three or four times or something like that. So most Doctor Who episodes I've probably seen closer to five, six, seven times and more. Not much, you know. But this one is one of those ones in Pertwee's era that I didn't watch too often. Mutants is another one. Oh, God. One, I can understand why you don't watch the Mutants. Well, even Time Monster, those, that whole, I mean, Ugh. the early Pertwee's I've watched quite a bit. Because they're good. Yeah, and then the once it, the Three Doctors I've seen a lot, but a lot of it, and Damons I've seen a lot, but Death of the Daleks not as much, and, and some of those other ones. But this is one of those ones that I've, I probably saw it twice before the uh, DVD came out, and then I watched it again on DVD when I got it. 
So maybe three times, four season times. Season eight maybe. is a good season. The whole yeah. master season is a good one. Yeah. So I'm not a particular fan of this one. It's not one I think of necessarily when I think of John Pertwee. There's probably seven or eight more or nine or ten more before I, I would think of this one. And watching it again, I, I was like, mm. you know, units great in it. There's some good unit stuff. Um, and the master's good, like we talked about. I didn't think the doctor and Joe were fantastic in this. I thought Mind of Evil, they were a lot better in it. They were not written well to when they were interacting. Yeah, and I don't know if that's Bob Baker and Dave Martin. If this is their first time on Doctor Who, maybe they had some growing pains or whatever. But um, it wasn't bad from yeah. that part. It was, it was pretty okay. good. Yep. Okay, anything else? Nope. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>